Content warning. No Gods, No Monsters contains profanity, substance use, and a strong hatred for the police. funny to me that you rewatched the fight scenes because i i just i don't like these fight scenes really i think they're like the worst fight scenes ever and yeah the the book i was reading was like tsuburaya's most magnificent fight scenes like unquestionably and i'm like i just think they're terrible like i think this has some of the best human story and some of the worst fighting of any godzilla movie I was looking over some reviews in Letterboxd, and I feel like, yeah, a lot of people are like, this is some of the best fight scenes. I don't get it at all. Hmm. Like, I think the fighting in Raids again is, well, we'll get into it. Um, yeah. Uh, are you cool if we just dive in? Let's dive, baby. Olympic style. <laughs> Let's get some gold medals. Um. So I was talking to Ira earlier about you made some joke to me about like that this is a movie about like when people who love each other get into fights or when parents fight or something. Do you remember that? Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't remember what you said. Do you? Uh, it was about how sometimes mommies and daddies fight and <laughs> it's not your fault. And you just have to remember that. That's right. Um, well, I was saying a, a butchered version of that. And I was just like, I was trying to think of like a thing to talk about in the beginning and we're just driving, and I say that kind of just like, uh, but I don't really know where to go with that. And Ira was like, well, I mean, really, if you think about it, this movie is about, like, traditional gender roles, you know? And I was like, what? And then all of a sudden, we're talking about how, like, uh, well, had, had you thought of that angle before at all? About, I mean, I've always thought of Mothra as a very motherly character. Sure. Um, but you're talking about... Well, just them fighting in general, like, yeah, like, I hadn't really thought of how, I, I've always thought of Mothra as, like, very different than Godzilla, maybe, like, almost an opposite in some ways, but it's just interesting that he's, like, anger and destruction, and then she's, like, protection and life-giving, like, literally always, like, yeah. rebirthing out of the egg and nurturing, taking care of the egg, going after the children, and, like, that was just a trip, like, very traditional yeah. OG gender dichotomies yeah and this one in particular godzilla seems kind of drunk so that even fits in more into a, a abusive drunken father stereotype that's a great point i'm sure they did that on purpose um mm -hmm. he's definitely supposed to be like i worked all day and i can accidentally trip over buildings if i want to I'm like ah <laughs> you fucking factory you ran into my tail bah! like you're burning <laughs> yep and she's the one shielding the children Ooh, that's dark i mean it reminds me of my childhood i uh, sorry and my parents <laughs> i don't i don't know i think you're not telling the truth because of biographical facts i have but i don't know <laughs> i mean maybe the story of uh, my dad dying was just covering up the real story of him 
being drunk and destroying buildings. Still made it dark. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think that maybe a lot of people, maybe that's one of the reasons that people identify with Mothra so much is they're like, you know, like, like Godzilla's cool, but he's kind of the 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 scary one and it's uh it's nice to get to call mom every once in a while to intervene or something yeah oof yeah. well do you think they're gonna make like do you think that this is like the end for them do you think that this i mean obviously we're going chronologically but like this is a rough patch for them their marriage has has never this struggled a, this far this is a i mean this is the beginning of the relationship. Oh, I so. know. <laughs> Hence why You're it's right. such a low. It's never struggled like this thus far. <laughs> um, I think we'll see more to come. I think we'll see uh, some uh, love being rekindled. Right now, they're just working out the kinks. They're discovering who each other are. And I mean, a lot of time when you first meet somebody, you kind of build them up in your head of an image of what you hope for that isn't necessarily true to who they are. And I think maybe they're realizing at this point that they aren't the image that they've built up. And so they're kind of getting angry and worked up over that, but hopefully that they'll learn to love the, the monster that they, that they truly are. <laughs> that, that was fucking beautiful. And, you know, I mean, they both swiped right, but you know, that first date doesn't always go, the way you think it's going to go, you know, just exactly. because you're sexually attracted to them doesn't mean, um, doesn't mean shit. Exactly. <sighs> well, welcome to No Gods, No Monsters. We're the anti-capitalist kaiju and giant monster podcast in a world where no one's coming to save us, not even Mothra when Godzilla's drunk. I'm Rabbit, here with Charlie. How you doing, Charlie? I'm all right. Yeah, I'm doing all right. Sweet. Well, um, today, hope you're ready. We're talking about 1964's Mothra vs. Godzilla. You want to give us a plot synopsis, Charlie? All right, Kaiju heads. This is your old pal Charlie here. Just reminding you, if you can't hang with a big Kaiju, get off the porch. <laughs> a, a, a Kaiju twist on a modern saying. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, okay. Some typhoons bring nothing but death, destruction, misery, and water. But every once in a while, a typhoon just might bring beauty as well. Such is the case on Kirata Coast, 1964, when a typhoon brings ashore a gigantic Easter egg. Unfortunately, at this point in history, Japan is going through an economic miracle, and so it's abso absolutely rife with capitalist fucks. Two such fucks conspire together to take possession of the egg and build an amusement park around it. I sure do hope that these fucks end up killing each other. Anyways, turns out that the egg carries the offspring of Mothra, and so her fairies, the Shobajin, are on a quest to get the egg back to their goddess and their home on Infant Island. In doing so, they recruit the help of reporter Sakai, photographer Junko, and Professor Miara. However, the trio fail to convince the capitalist fucks to give up the egg. The Shobajin abandon their quest and return to the island, warning that the larva that hatches will cause destruction in its wake. 
Meanwhile, Godzilla, having been lost at sea since his battle against Kong in 1962, bursts out of the ground at Kirata Coast and proceeds to stumble around and destroy shit that gets in his way like a real badass or maybe like my drunken father. The trio of human heroes go to Infant Island and attempt to recruit Mothra to fight Godzilla and find that the island has been devastated by nuclear tests while they and the rest of the world didn't really do shit to try to put a stop to those tests. There's a giant turtle on this island, but much like our heroes, we won't mention that. The island natives and the Shobajin tell the trio to fuck off. They're sick of their shit and owe them nothing, but the goddess Mothra yearns for a better world, so she agrees to use the last of her strength to help fight Godzilla. Mothra then helps fight Godzilla. She dies. Her egg hatches twin larvae. The twin larvae defeat Godzilla, and they swim away together in the setting sun. The end with Akira Takarada as Ichiro Sakai, Yuriko Hoshi as Junko Nakanishi, Hiroshi Koizuma, Koizumi as Professor Moreira, Kenji Sahara as Torahada, Yoshifumi Tajima as Kumayama, the Peanuts as the Shobajin, what looks like two sentient lumps of shit as the twin Martha, Mothra larva. Haruo Nakajima as Godzilla, and the most beautiful monster of them all, Mothra as Mothra. Because sometimes mommy and daddy will fight, and yes, it can be a very horrible experience, but it's always important to remember that it is not your fault. It's Godzilla versus the Thing, baby! Nice, nice. Sorry for stealing your thunder by going into that already. Um, (laughs) Originally, my whole synopsis was just going to be talking about mommy and daddy fighting, but I... I thought you might be annoyed that I didn't do any plot, so I decided not to. Oh, this is you went a great direction. Um, <laughs> I, I can't help remembering when thinking of all this. I think I've told you this story, but um, really quick, quick since we already got a little dark. I uh, when I was seventeen, my parents were like, "It's Friday night. We're taking you and your sister out to dinner." And I'm like, "That's fucking weird." Okay, and we went out to dinner, and then. I was like, can I, can I walk around the mall? I don't really want to sit here. And so I walked around and they found me in a Sam Goody and they were like, what do you want? We'll get you anything you want. And I was like, what? <laughs> okay. So I got the Criterion collection for, uh, the Royal Tenenbaums cause it was 40 bucks. And I could never afford it. And I was like, if they said whatever they want and they were like, okay. And I was nice. like, what the fuck? So then I go home and they're like, Hey, can we talk to you real quick? And they come in the room and they're like, we're getting a divorce. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, <laughs> this all makes sense now. And then they're, they're, they left. So I was like, well, I guess I'm going to watch this. And the opening scene to that movie is <laughs> saying, we're getting a divorce. And the kids go, was it our fault? And the dad goes, well, we did make certain sacrifices. <laughs> and like, I thought that was the funniest thing in the world at the time. Cause it was just like such dark, perfect humor for what I needed right then. And yeah, just through this all, I couldn't stop thinking about that, so I thought I'd share it. Um, How old were you? 17. Oh, wow. I, like, I don't remember your parents living together at all. Yeah, it's um, weird, huh? I mean, my dad wasn't. Yeah. We don't need to go into that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, I think I was 17. They got divorced when I was 17, so I'm assuming. Um, but it might have been when I was 16, they told me. I can't remember. Um, anyway, uh, it was interesting that you brought up the economic boom, because... Um, one thing we don't really have in the outline, but that was just kind of interesting, uh, is that I guess this was like the timing of this movie or like at the time of this movie, there was a big, um, 
what's the word, amusement park boom that was really inspired by American-style amusement parks. And that's one of the reasons that that's the focus, like, that the egg's going to be part of an amusement park. Mm. Um, and I think that's kind of interesting that, like, not only are they critiquing, you know, capitalism in general, or at least, like, mass consumerism in the direction capitalism is going, just like Godzilla vs. Kong, but like Godzilla, it's, like, American shit that they're kind of directly uh, echoing. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, For sure. Yeah, I didn't know that at all. That's cool. I mean, not, I mean, it's cool to know it. Yeah. That's, that's what I mean. Well, and it's cool as fuck, because that's why uh, we have... No, it's not cool. I'm just... Okay. So, uh, what do you... That's why we have the Mario amusement park. I want to go. I want to go to the one where you get to fucking uh, go in Shin Godzilla's mouth in a zip line, dude. What? Yeah, it's a giant Shin Godzilla's head, like, real size, and you zip line into his mouth in Japan. Holy shit. Cool okay. We're starting a Patreon tonight. <laughs> um what do you what do you generally think about this movie? Uh I loved it. Um this is my first time seeing this movie actually. I know. Uh, I, a lot of people are now angry that they heard that and like how the fuck does this guy get a kaiju podcast? Um if they've been listening they already you. know we don't know what we're talking about so it's fine. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you've seen, like, all these movies. Uh, no. I watched two new ones in the last two days, actually. Space Godzilla. Space Godzilla. Um, yeah, I, I I love this one. It's uh, so much fun. Mothra is, I mean, she's right up there in my top three kaiju. So, and Godzilla being another one of those top three, it's, uh, yeah, it's a so good and this was this was when they were firing on all cylinders just putting out banger after banger you got the dream team on the on the case it's uh it's fantastic how can you be a godzilla fan and not not like this movie for sure i mean best fight scenes (laughs) in godzilla history so uh what about you i really love this movie i feel like like plot wise and stuff it's just amazing like it has the political critiques that are throughout and that come naturally instead of being forced on us at the end and i like the political critiques it's got great characters good pacing good humor awesome visuals it's like really fucking sick but yeah i think i'm i'm i didn't realize this until we were talking about it or i was looking stuff up really but i think i'm in the uh, minority where like I really don't like the fight scenes the this movie like I absolutely love and then when it gets to the fight scenes it's like a big bummer to me um, I remember I watched when I first started getting really into Godzilla like for real I in one day I watched uh, Mothra then this and then Pacific Rim and man I was I loved Mothra and then I loved the first half of this and then I just felt this sense of disappointment it was like the first time I think I'd seen like a goofy fight with Godzilla and I don't know I just I I was like okay when I rewatch this now I've I've seen so many others out of context I'm going to like that and it just disappoints mm. me I just don't like the fighting but it's not like it it's still up there it's still I can see this as I think of this as one of the the best 
Godzilla films and one of the best Showa era films. It just, it doesn't have the thing that I go to Godzilla for, which is a certain kind of destructive fighting. So that's the only thing I hold against it. I think the first Mothra movie had way better destruction and stuff, but I love this movie. It's great in every way, except for that. And uh, yeah, I would recommend it to almost anybody. It's fucking amazing. Yeah, I think I might like uh, the original Mothra movie more than this by a little bit. But overall, when I'm thinking of the Godzilla movies up to this point, um, I think this might be my favorite one so far of the four or five. Four, I think. Yeah. But yeah, uh, the fights, I agree that I don't think they're among the best. That They're pretty unique and i can see why one wouldn't like them but like like the fight against the larva is just such a weird fight and it's not like any other kaiju fight that we really see because it's just these weird little creatures spitting for so long and his (laughs) i guess the thing about the fights that is hard for me is i don't feel like you have this being who I understand its strength and powers and advantages and disadvantages. And then you have this other one. And how is that going to play out? It just feels kind of random. Like his breath hurts Mothra and it's like, Oh no. Okay. That's the thing. Now I feel the sense of danger because there's, if she gets by his breath, I know it's going to hurt her, but then the breath doesn't even hurt the larva. And that's the only thing he uses against them. Like there's just, so yeah, that one's just him shoot them shooting for so long and him just standing there breathing on them every once in a while and nothing really happens. There's the one tail grab part. And then the first one, it, it just feels so thrashy and random. It's like, how do you, okay, the mouth flies at him and then hits him. And then like, the, I mean, the best part is her flapping and the wind fucking him up. Cause that feels like that's a power she has. It's she fucking grabs him by the tail and drags him around. How is that just, not awesome? I, I don't know. It's just the way it's done is silly. It is awesome. It's just, I don't know. There's something about it that I'm just, it, I don't buy it. It just, it takes me out of them being monsters and I'm in this, oh, look at that puppet pulling that guy in a suit mode in my brain, um, which like, I don't even get in that mode in uh, raids again. I feel like I'm buying it the whole time. So I don't know. There's something about it. Um, it is kind of funny that they use the fast forward technique again in this and the slow mo in this one. That was interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, um, since we're already talking about it, you want to jump into like back up a little and just talk about monsters and effects in and sets and stuff like that in general, starting with Godzilla. I love monsters. Oh man, I love giant monsters. I love giant monsters. So, uh, what do you think of Godzilla? I guess starting with this uh, entrance, it's a pretty unique entrance for him. Well, first of all, not even get into the monster himself, but the the way the story reveals Godzilla, it seems kind of uh, half-assed. So at the beginning, they find this radioactive thing. We don't even know what it is. And they don't mention forever. And then they go to it and they're looking at it and they're like, oh, this is radioactive. Let's go do radio uh, activity tests at the place where we found it. And they go and that's when Godzilla pops up. Yeah, just, uh, lucky timing. Yeah, it just seemed very weird. I still have no idea what that was that they found. Like, I know, it's so weird that that's not brought up again. It seems like that's going to be an important detail when they find it. And uh, 
It definitely yeah, feels no, like I'm... it's from an older version of the script or something. Yeah. So that that whole thing, it just seems kind of weird how they got to the point with Godzilla popping up. But when it comes to actual Godzilla, him popping up, um, I, I loved his entrance. His tail all of a sudden pops up and it's just like yeah. a fucking du- giant dirt worm just going around and and then godzilla finally appears and he's just he's a he's a dirtzilla he's he's covered in dirt he's a dirty boy um and he looks awesome uh his costume is probably the best it's been at uh, up to this point in my opinion he looks more menacing and destructive uh than the kind of goofy um version we saw in the last movie uh king kong vs godzilla but, yeah yeah uh i yeah i think his entrance and i think that's all fantastic and great and i love giant monsters did you um so in i'm gonna talk about mushroom clouds and mushroom men by peter h brothers quite a bit because there was some cool stuff in there but he said that he made a point about how um, Godzilla comes out of a landfill rather than out of the ocean, and that that's a statement about like what he represents in this one. But I didn't think of that as a landfill. I felt like it was like a beach, but it did was dirty and did have trash all over it. But there was a typhoon, so I was confused by that. Yeah. Um, what were they doing there? There was a, an assemblyman was uh, trying to... They were reclaim de- the area yeah, to like make it into something. They were developing it. I don't remember exactly what, but it was the uh, the Karata Beach Industrial Revitali- Revitalization Zone. So it was something where they were trying to, quote-unquote, revitalize an area. I don't know if that meant specifically it was an area that normally gets flooded, and so they had the pumps there to continually keep it dry, or if it was like a landfill that they were revitalizing. That would make more sense based on how it looked and what they said. So maybe it was, Um, but the idea was to bring industries like five different companies there to like, to make money for the the prefecture. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I didn't see it as a landfill either. Like you, I kind of thought it was a beach, maybe a little bit more inland to where it's more dirt than sand, but yeah, I didn't see it as a landfill. I just, I just thought it was just covered in dirt. It was just, it looked like a big old, for sure, big old dirt land. Well, it was interesting that, like, normally he comes out of the ocean, and this was a very cool entrance of him busting out of the ground. Um, Yeah. And it it was just kind of funny to think that, like, a typhoon washed him ashore and buried him, like, (laughs) (laughs) because he's a big guy. Um, yeah. and also like, was he just sleeping the whole time? <laughs> right. But like, just stop breathing under there. I mean, I guess he can, yeah. yeah, I don't understand. He's amphibious. So it's not like he holds his breath forever. So why can he, whatever? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah, I agree with you about the suit. I think it's his best look since the original, um, the eyebrows on it are really distracting to me. They're kind of weird. Um, but they're kind of just like big and, and not, I don't know. They're just bold and kind of flat. So they are just kind of weird to me, but, um, I think he generally looks great and you brought up his behavior already, like kind of seeming drunk. And I do think his behavior in here in the, the first time I watched it, I was kind of disappointed. I was like, man, he's just a stumbling idiot, but I did like, (laughs) I think the more that I, I think about the themes of the movie, 
the more I like it. Like, I like that he's kind of representing more of the original idea of Godzilla as, like, um, a force of nature that's kind of innocent. It's just in a world it's not familiar with, not supposed to belong in, and it's creating havoc and destruction, causing mayhem, not because it's this evil being necessarily, but because it's out of place, you know, a result of our mm-hmm. folly or whatever. I also, well, yeah, when he stumbles into the building and then he destroys it, I felt that was relatable because I feel like sometimes I'll stumble into something and I'll get fucking kind of like really embarrassed. Like if anybody's around, I'll get kind of angry. Maybe I'll just be like, oh, fuck you. And I'll like hit the desk I stumbled into. For sure. So I, I like that aspect of it. Totally. And I know some of it was because of just mistakes. Like, I know him attacking that building went so wrong. Every shot it went wrong. Like, people destroyed it before he hit it, or he tripped one time, and it cost all this money. And so some of it was on purpose, but some of it was just they had to use the shots they had. Gotcha. Um, Did you generally like that about him, that he was kind of just destroying things because they were in the way or because he just doesn't belong there or um like there's i guess this is the last godzilla of the show era where he's not like a protector of earth so it's like kind of in the middle he's not as just destroying shit as he is in the original and he's not like a hero yeah. as he is later how do you feel about this in-between state yeah i like it uh when he starts becoming the hero and i like it's fun but it, like it's just such a like stupid it's very it gets very cheesy and stupid which i mean a lot of this series is going to be like that but this is kind of holds on to some kind of like the seriousness um by not going super silly like that um also i mean dude's been asleep after uh for two years now and he's waking up and he's and all this shit's just, he's just running into all this shit where he woke up and all these people start attacking him. Like, once again, relatable. Yeah. Um, I don't know that he's been asleep the whole time. He could have just, but yeah, I agree with you that like, he just seems to become the hero at the end of, or partway through every era. And mm-hmm. to me, that's not the Godzilla that's my favorite at all. Like, sometimes it works, but my favorite Godzilla is a destructive force of nature, the metaphor Godzilla that we... Yeah. That was the original intention, and um, I feel like I, I almost wish he had a little more agency in this one and was a little less just... I mean, even when he's fighting yeah. Mothra, like, he only almost only uses his breath when fighting the flying Mothra, like because he's discombobulated and desperate not as like a, okay i'm this powerful mm-hmm. thing and here i go boom and again it, it feels like it works thematically but it is a little disappointing um and yeah i yeah 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 he definitely doesn't come off as particularly villainous or evil or anything it's more just the shit's in his way and uh He's just doing what he has to do to get by, and if he has to smash a few buildings, you know, it's just like making a building omelet. Yeah, exactly. Um, one thing, he, uh, he really seems to have it out for that egg. Like, he really <laughs> kind of makes a beeline for that egg, and then even in his fight with Mothra, he's like, 
sometimes he like tries to like like leave me alone. I'm trying to. I want to get this egg. I want to fight this egg. But then and, like, I, she puts her wing over it, and he just forgets the egg and leaves. Yeah, I mean maybe it's, it's just maybe he has that wing's big. Maybe. Oh yeah, he has he no can't... object permanence like a baby. He yeah. doesn't know it's there <laughs> uh-huh. anymore. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I kept being like, why is he going after the egg? What is the reason? Um, yeah, I was very curious about that. Totally. Um, I, I will say I was talking shit on him using the breath and stuff, and that's true during the fights, but I, I do like when he's uh, melting the tanks with it. Like, that's uh, yeah. sick. Uh, I was about to bring that up. It's something I know you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> um, and... I gotta say, the shots where people are running in the foreground and he's attacking in the background look the best we've seen of that so far. They look sick. Yeah. I mean, you can clearly see that uh, there's been an advance in uh, team's abilities and technology and everything. It's coming together better. Everything is coming better. And it's a bummer that this movie didn't do nearly as well as King Kong vs. Godzilla because if it kept going in this trajectory, I feel like stuff would have looked so cool, but they were like, oh, I guess we gotta do silly Godzilla. That's what people want. Um, yeah, and Mothra is so much better than King Kong in, like, every conceivable way, yeah. and, like, anyone who thinks otherwise probably just shouldn't listen to this podcast or any other podcast or anything do anything that would make them happy that's uh this is a fucking bold move <laughs> we we need all the oh. listeners we can get <laughs> kong fans welcome um well why don't we do this why don't we put out versions of our podcasts that have uh me completely muted and those versions can be for the uh kong fans cool 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 incel safe versions Yes. Got it. Um, <laughs> just doubling down and making it so my voice still... Anyway, um, <laughs> do you want to switch to talking about Mothra? Mothra! Yes. So, okay, since you just sang that, I feel like I gotta tell you about this fact I found out. Uh, I'm all about facts. Okay, so our friend Palmer, listener to the show, I think we've given him a shout out before. What's up, Palmer? Um, he lives in Indonesia. Yo. Has, <laughs> he lives in Indonesia and has for, I think like 10 years now. And, um, he was doing some reading on Mothra and found out a thing that I bet a lot of our listeners already know, but that the song is actually Indonesian, but with Japanese pronunciation. Um, so the idea was that they wanted Japanese audiences to feel like this was a foreign song because it's supposed to be f- like non-Japanese people who are thinking of Mothra as her god as their god and so I don't remember the exact story and this was all from like random posts he found from anonymous people on online forums and blogs but basically that yeah this is actually in uh, a song that was originally in Indonesian they changed it a little to be Japanese but that the lyrics in Japanese don't actually fully make sense because of that change um, which is also really interesting because in the novelization of the MonsterVerse movie, uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, it says that um, something about Mothra originally being a deity of Indonesian folks or like like things to 
uh, like shrines were found in Indonesia, something about Indonesia. So there was like a nod to that. So I just thought that was a crazy cool fact that he presented. That is pretty cool. I feel like I mentioned in our Mothra episode, uh, the very basic part of that where it was Indonesian. Um, Oh, sweet. I don't remember that. And I just edited it. So I'm surprised. Oh, I definitely wrote that in my notes. Maybe I didn't bring it up in the episode. I don't remember these recordings. I, that I also edit a lot, so I don't remember everything. So it's very possible. Um, and I don't listen to you when I'm pressing the edit button. I just listen to me. What the fuck? Well, cause I like Kong. Ah. Yeah. Um. Nerd ass. (laughs) Okay. So anyway, Mothra. Hey, I said, I said, if you like Kong more than Mothra, not just liking Kong. Okay. Okay. Fair. Fair. So let's start off with Mothra in egg form. What do you think of that egg? Love that egg. Love that egg. It's a pretty egg. Psychedelic. Giant eggs, as a rule, are just fucking psychedelic. You, you, you bring one that, that has songs being sung to it. It's colored like a goddamn Easter egg. I mean, you can't go wrong. I mean, that would be the coolest Easter egg I've ever seen. Like, they're not usually painted with those stripes. You know what I mean? You gotta paint your own Easter eggs. That's true. Did you did you not paint Easter eggs as a kid, man? That was that was the best. That was not the best part of Easter, but it was like the second best part of Easter. Never did it. Oh wow, we used to. Yeah, we used to. That was fun. Um, Yeah, this actually makes me. My main Easter movie these days is uh, Critters 2, um, the main course, and this makes me want to put this in the rotation too, so I can do a little double feature of this and Critters 2. Damn, dude. Neither of those are on my Easter movie list. Well, gotta put them on. I'll get right on Have you seen Critters 2? No, but we've talked extensively about it on this podcast in two different episodes. Have we? Yeah. (laughs) Because uh, they, them, I oh no, Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, we talked about it. Um, and then another one, because that's on the TV. Anyway, let's let's move on. No, that was Gremlins 2. Gremlins oh! 2. Oh! This is Critters 2. I'm confused. Big difference. Okay. I have not seen Critters 2. There's like, it's Easter time, and there's a bunch of critter eggs, and they're like, let's go hide all these. These are Easter eggs. Let's sell these as Easter eggs, and then they go on Easter egg hunts, but the, all the eggs contain critters, and the critters eat and kill. I think their first victim is a cop. So Nice. Yeah, I think I think the sheriff is the first victim. I'll add that to my Easter bunny. My Easter movie rotation is pretty long, so I'll have to cut something out, but I'll I'll add that. Um Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty awesome. So I, I know I bring this up all the time, but I can't get over it. Like we see this time Mothra right next to that egg there's no way she laid that baby yeah but at one point they say that the egg is like grown and matured or something like that which i was like eggs don't do that do they i don't think eggs grow (laughs) yeah i mean they do on the um, inside so maybe maybe that's what they mean no but that I don't know, man. That's fucking weird. That sounds like um, some, uh, this dinosaur, this Godzilla must be two million years old shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so if, 
But, I mean, maybe Mothra eggs are special eggs that grow. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of magic going on, so... I Indeed. choose to believe that she laid it, and it's just fucking crazy, and I want a Mothra laying a giant egg scene in a future Godzilla movie. Yeah, Scorsese, get on it. <laughs> um, so what'd you think of Mothra herself, like the flying Mothra? I mean, just beautiful. Yeah. It's just, just, I mean, and I, yeah, we have this running joke, we're talking about how she's beautiful, but like, in a non-jokey way, like... I mean, it's the puppet does just it looks. It's a beautiful puppet. It's it's perfect. It looks fantastic. Looks amazing. Yeah. Even outshines uh, the Godzilla suit in a lot of scenes, and it's 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 incredible. This is just top top notch puppetry work. It looks great. Anyone that says otherwise is some kind of King Kong lover, and fuck them. Um. I think I love how fuzzy it is, like how soft it looks mm-hmm. and the stripes are so great. Um, the something about the eyes always makes me feel like just gives it away that it's not a living thing, but they they work. And I feel like this one is definitely more dynamic than the last Mothra one, which also looked great. Um, but yeah. they just knocked it out of the park. She's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. She's gorgeous. Yeah, I don't know so much about the larva, but I agree about her. What what about uh what about the larva? So I know some people say that the original larva from the first one is like the top larva and they go downhill from they they just are all worse after that. I don't really notice a difference. They all just look like turds to me. I think these ones don't have glowing <sighs> eyes or something, but I mean, I I have a horrible memory and uh I probably should have done a a comparison uh within the past week. But I remember really thinking that the larva and Mothra looked pretty good. And these just look like two lumps of, uh, I mean, I said it before, it looks like my shit if it's really wet and I haven't eaten corn, which usually doesn't happen. I eat a lot of corn. Totally. Yeah, they, I just, uh, I, I, I like the fact that it goes from that larva to this beautiful mothra that's a cool thing but to end with mm-hmm. larva or to have movies later where there's just larva is so disappointing some yeah. people think larva forms the best form and i do not understand they must be kong lovers but like mm-hmm. yeah it just it's i don't know they're just so slow they look really funny when they're swimming i do like that but it just it it just makes it makes this movie that was so gorgeous and fast paced and dynamic just suddenly less the the for an ending it's just less uh what's the word riveting i don't know yeah um it's also kind of weird uh so i'm not as well versed in in these movies as you are but usually i more associate we get more we get like a lot of larva in the beginning or that, or, you know, like for the first half to two thirds. And then we get Mothra where we get all larva. And this is kind of a weird way of doing it where we get Mothra throughout. And then the last few minutes we get larva. It seems like a very weird direction to go from just a artistic standpoint of um, Mothra is obviously full grown Mothra is obviously more of a, spectacle and a draw and something that most people would think you want to end with that instead of these two shit creatures that are 
not nearly as compelling. And I get it from a story standpoint. It just kind of seems from like an usually what you would expect from an artistic standpoint would be to end with a banger that is Mothra instead of Larva. Yeah, I think from a story and a thematic standpoint, like the rebirth and then Mm. there's two of them, which is like, whoa, there's two. It makes total sense, but it is a bummer visually. um, And like, if you're thinking of this as like an action movie, which, you know, probably shouldn't but if you are it doesn't feel like an escalation it feels like a Mm de-escalation and it's uh yeah i agree with you on that um that being said i did like their use of guerrilla tactics against godzilla Um, (laughs) i thought it was fun yeah the asymmetrical warfare here is very smart Mm -hmm. uh using the uh using the like the tunnels um and hiding and coming out and shooting when they can uh to to thwart the much bigger and more uh, well-financed <laughs> target. Um, mm-hmm. Bravo. Good point. Thank you. Um, we we mostly went into the battles. Uh, let's just add anything we want to. I, I, I wanted to bring up that the Mothra dust was kind of funny. It was interesting. There was like, that's Mothra's most powerful weapon, but it didn't really explain what it does. <laughs> and then it wasn't really used again. They're just like, it's poisonous pollen. It's like, poisonous how? Like, yeah, Godzilla doesn't seem to like it, but that's all we're really getting from it. Yeah. <laughs> but by poisonous, we meant he has pollen in his face. Um, yeah, <laughs> basically. I mean, you put a shit ton of pollen in anyone's face, they're not going to like it. Oh, yeah. So, totally. Yeah. Um, any, um, anything else battle-wise? Uh, yeah, it's surprising that she's bigger than Godzilla because I think most people just kind of assume Godzilla is bigger than Mothra and probably is in most most iterations but she was clearly bigger than him in this and Um, she's way smaller in this than she was in Mothra to make her able to fight him she's huge in Mothra Um, really yeah Yeah. they downscaled her to fight him and I definitely think in later movies she gets much smaller. Um, I'm not sure about that, mm-hmm. but it feels that way. And I know that in, like, in the legendary movies, uh, in well, she's only in one in um, Godzilla: King of the Monsters. She's way smaller than than Godzilla. Spoiler. Spoiler. Um, I didn't know that. You didn't that she was in it. No, I did. I was okay. just trying to make you feel bad. Oh, it worked. Um, yes. Uh, only other thing I was like, I feel like the silk shooting, I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, oh my God, this is so much silk shooting. But after watching things like Varan, it didn't feel that long. Um, <laughs> but I will say the silk looked pretty awesome on him. Like the effect they used was really, they did a good job. Like it, it, I feel like in a lot of these movies, I would expect it to be like, it's shooting on him and oh, now he's covered. But it was really a yeah. progression and it was, it was good. Yeah, I agree. I think it was. I think, I mean, maybe best fight scene in Godzilla. <laughs> Thinking about it, the the larva grabbing the tail and getting flopped around is so funny. It's so stupid. <laughs> it is very funny. I just don't, what, I don't get why people think these fights are good. Like, it's great if they do. I just literally, I'm trying to figure out why and I can't think of anything. Like, that's so, st- it's just a gag. Like, they just seem like a bunch of gags. Yeah, I mean, there definitely is part of this movie um, 
it doesn't fully abandon the goofiness that we saw in uh, versus Kong, Kong versus Godzilla. So I mean, this could be a kind of a little nod to that, but I, yeah, I, I liked it when when the larva bit the tail, um, and Godzilla seemed to get very upset and hurt by it, and he was really freaking out. Totally. Anything else uh, about Mothra or Godzilla before we move on to other effects? According to David Klatt in his book Critical History, he says that all subsequent Godzilla suits, uh, which I assume he just means the Showa era, are variations on this one. Hmm. I mean, technically, aren't they all variations on each other? What do you think he means? I guess he just meant some of the more specific elements of this one. I, I like this is. I don't have enough. They're all mostly based on this one. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, he talks about how like. And the makeup people and all the uh, special effects people, how they had, like, perfected so much of their work at this point, And then they thought that this was, like, the, the one of the best suits they could produce, I guess. But Yeah, it is a good one. It does yeah. feel like the Showa era suit. That makes sense. Um, yeah, I don't remember if I said it. Mothra, surprisingly very strong. I would... Not think when I think of Mothra, I don't think uh, Moth that can lift Godzilla. But yeah, seriously, I mean, we know she's strong because her little gentle flapping of her wings has destroyed cities. But still, it's very surprising to see her carrying yeah. around this giant kaiju. Yeah, um, almost made a reference to the video game that should not be mentioned. Hmm. Yes. Good. Good. Good call. Um, what about other battle effects? We mentioned Godzilla burning the tanks, but was there anything else that kind of jumped out at you? Um, the electric shock. That looked cool as hell. I really liked the lightning in this. So, first of all, when they're like, ah, yes, our plan is to use electricity to stop Godzilla... Uh, to use the military and electricity to stop Godzilla. I was like, well, I know how this is going to go. It's, yeah, we've seen this movie. <laughs> yeah. But then surprisingly, it almost worked. <laughs> yeah. I guess because they used nuts this time. They haven't used nuts in the past. That's a... For future Godzilla stop attempters, uh, pro tip, throw some nuts in the mix. Wow. Feeding fucking info to the police. Good job. Hey. I work for the CIA, so what do you expect? I mean, you're an op. <laughs> you're an op. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what? Godzilla really hates nets with giant holes in them, so you should use <laughs> that to stop them. Well, since we're talking about this, uh, feels like a good time to bring up my uh, dumb cop award. I definitely think... Um. First of all, all cops are dumb, and they're all bastards. But first of all, they're all pretty dumb just for using the tactics that didn't work in King Kong versus Godzilla. I thought that was pretty fucking dumb. But my dumb cop goes to the guy who says, we've won. And then they decide to turn up the voltage anyway. And then <laughs> the guy's like, are you sure? And he's like, the same guy who says we won is like, yes. And then that's what blows up their stuff and gets Godzilla. And it's just like, you fucking idiots. I'm so glad you all are dumb, but you're so dumb. 
He was also he was like the commander or the general too, wasn't he? No, the commander oh, okay. uh, said turn up the voltage, but he's the one who said we've won, and then who said yes after the I think. Gotcha. Okay. But um, that guy's dumb too. Yeah, my dumb cop because there were no specific cops. Um, although military is always a good stand-in, so I probably should have just gone with that. I was just gonna say the Pinkertons that the the two capitalist villains surely have hired at some point in the past. Or the um, dumb cops, because fuck. Uh, Wait, you're saying Pink- because they're Pinkertons? Because they're industrialists, they and capitalists, they must have hired Pinkertons at some point. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, those are dumb I, cops. Fuck that. I think that that logic checks out. Yeah. Oh man, I was playing Red Dead Redemption Two for a while recently and killed so many goddamn Pinkertons. It was awesome. Hey, it's a living. <laughs> Killing the Pinkertons is is living, not being yes. a Pinkerton. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not a living. Uh, it's not a real job, just like landlord. Mm-hmm. Um, what about uh, not really an effect thing, but you know, not like a story thing. The uh, Infant Island itself, the set, um, pretty different than than the last time we saw it. Yeah, um, that's one of the things with these movies. It's always like how much of it is supposed to be continuing from the last one and how much is supposed to be we're supposed to accept this as something new because yeah this one you know the natives are all pissed talking about all the nuclear testing that's gone on and it's like has there been a lot of nuclear testing between this and mothra (laughs) um yeah because now the island's like all more completely fucked up um we'll get into it but the natives are very different in this one yes Um, um and the to me, it's interesting that it's the same idea of, like, a desolate outside, and then the inside is this beautiful thing. But in Mothra, it felt like the inside was this gigantic forest. And in this yeah. one, it felt like a garden or something. Yeah, totally. Um, and also, there's a giant turtle. So, yeah, there's bones <laughs> everywhere. Big bones. Like, bones of things that it's like they died during the nuclear tests of world mm-hmm. war ii like these look like prehistoric bones but also yeah what is up with the turtle dude i don't know and it moves its head so oh, yeah. it's a living <laughs> yeah. dead skeleton turtle that no one remarks on <laughs> and it's very like cute looking too <laughs> like... yeah it's very cartoonish it's so strange dude the first time i watched this i was like oh man this movie's about to get fucking weird mm-hmm. and then nothing no mention of it at all no it's i i don't know one of my favorite parts of the movie it's great it's very absurd yeah in general um, i felt like the island was fine um it wasn't anything exceptional but it looked the parts they showed looked better than uh in mothra and it also kind of made more sense because i feel like in mothra it was supposed to be desolate on the outside but they were going through forest with like those Mm -hmm. blood-sucking plants and this one it actually was like desolate as fuck and then beautiful uh forested inside or garden inside and it just it felt very small so that wasn't great but it worked yeah um well in the first one it's the Alan itself is kind of more of a character than it is in this one. They they return to it all throughout. It's yeah. uh, they have a, adventures throughout it. A lot of action takes place in it, and this one is just more of a place that they 
have to go to, so we have some scenes there. And so there's, uh, I mean, obviously, um, this is what brings the majority of the film's uh, commentary on uh, nuclear weapons. But uh, sure. uh, overall, this is it just doesn't have as much to do with the movie as it is uh, Infinite Island does in the first one. True, I do think it does a better job of showing the sense of loss that the the yeah. Bikini Atoll like tests um that it's referencing would have caused to such an area for sure. Um also in that same uh ballpark the the natives themselves show um more uh anger and understanding at that I mean than the first one where they don't they, I mean, they don't really show any emotions. In yeah, they're one. real characters in this one. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I mean, not characters per se, but, like, they, they're they human. <laughs> they're, yes. <laughs> they're given a sense of uh, being and individuality and purpose. Um, well, speaking of humans, let's move on to the human story. Boo! I like giant monsters. <laughs> um, okay, let's go into the characters, starting with... Ichiro Sakai, main character, news reporter. What'd you think of him? Man, I really should have looked up who all these actors were and who they played in uh, other movies. I have, I, I have the big ones written down. I okay. don't think he's a he's a maybe he was, but I didn't recognize him. Yeah, I don't know anymore. I'm just there's so many used so often. Anyways, uh, yeah, I mean, really, the three main characters. I didn't really feel like there was a lot of differences between the three of them they all oftentimes went along with each other they're always in the same scenes together they're always as a trio um with the same goals and purpose the professor is more kind of i guess uh intelligent driven while um uh junko and sakai are more uh they bring more of a heart element to it talking about like uh you know humans don't deserve to die and um what, like mutual trust and stuff like that. But I don't know. Overall, I just kind of saw the three together as a character themselves and really differentiated between the three of them. Yeah, I agree. I think there's little differences that are fun. We'll go into in a minute, but like generally I agree. And even to the point where like, they're kind of like Ichiro and Junko are always together. And in the beginning, they're almost arguing with professor Mira and then the next scene, they're suddenly in a hotel room together drinking and, like, yeah. coming up with plans. And it's like, why are you three <laughs> together? Yeah. Um, also, I was curious, are we supposed to assume uh, Ichiro and Junko, that they have a relationship going on? No, I don't um, think so. Okay. The one part that made me think that was when they go to the hotel room, she's... He, she, like calls him something and he's like hey i'm your boss and it made me mm. think i think that was the... just to make her look more like playful and like an individual yeah, probably um, or like or like that they they have a real friendship going on than uh than just your typical boss um, totally but maybe it'll turn out that the translation was just weird and he carries a picture of her in his wallet and we find that at the end. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't really think that, but that kind of, when I was first watching it, that uh, that made me wonder that for a second, but then the rest of the movie, I didn't 
didn't really drive that home. So I was just curious if that if that popped up on your radar at all. I guess totally. It's it's funny to me that um that you and I both are like yeah they seem kind of the same. I don't really differentiate because uh Peter H Brothers in the in the book he says that Mira represents mind, Sakai represents body, and uh, Junko represents soul. And they're together, they represent humanity, the three parts of humanity. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, first of all, it seems, yeah, it seems like he's reaching there. <laughs> How is Ichiro Sakai's body? Like, what do you mean? I have no idea. <laughs> I can see the other two a like, little bit. Yeah, like, I mean, I She could... appeals to them through her speech, impassioned speech, he is the rational one. But I feel like Sakai, Ichiro, does that just as much as, as Junko, and that they're both kind of like... Because he, he, she's like, everybody, no, not even bad people deserve to die a bad death, and yeah. you know people are going to die, and then he follows it up with, like, we need to have, like, a, build a world on mutual trust, and I feel like that's basically in the same vein of what she yeah. was going on. It's true. I don't, I don't buy the body part at all. Um, yeah, I mean, I want to point out a few things that to me are, are interesting and different. Um, I mean, Ichiro, this is kind of a theme in recent ones where the main person is, like, likable, but there's nothing really distinct or interesting about them. Mm-hmm. I like that he is the one who right off the bat says that the industrialists shouldn't own wonders of nature. Um, like he's a good guy, but I don't really have much other than that. Um, I like that. I mean, he's the one who struggles with things like I'm worried that if I, uh, if, even if we write a story on this, it won't do anything like what maybe the press isn't as powerful because people don't really care about things that don't affect them. And we're just giving free PR. Like it feels like his Mm. job is to kind of, point out the ethical, moral, and, and whatever dilemmas, but not be a strong character himself. Yeah, totally. Um, Junko, I think, is my favorite of the three in that she's just, like, quirky. Like, I love this, this scene in the beginning where he's like, what are you doing? Like, with the camera, and she's like, I'm looking for a theme. And he's like, the theme is the typhoon. Like, <laughs> that was great. And I, she's the one who's, like, sassy with Mira, like... um. She's like, can we get one more question? And then he's like, okay. And then, or can I get one question? And then gives it to Ichiro. Um, and uh, yeah, and I, I also liked that. Did you notice that? So I think Mira is the, he's the guy from um, Mothra and Godzilla he, Raids Again. Yeah, he was the linguist in uh, in Mothra. Um, oh, like was, the one that he? they, like one of the main characters, right? Yeah, yeah. He yeah, was the linguist they so go to. Yeah, it's so funny. This is the next movie. I know. You and, would think they would try to get another actor or, or have him be the same character. Yeah, but. Exactly. It was so confusing. And then, I mean, he has less stubble. But mm-hmm. he was the one, right, that said the camera's like a guillotine to me? Yeah, yeah. So it was it was really funny that the first thing you see with him is she blinds him with the flash of the camera. And he, like, turns away. <laughs> And it was like, you're calling attention to the, this is the same guy from Mothra with a, a similar gag, but it's a different guy. I didn't even think of that. That's really funny. <laughs> so strange. Yeah, yeah but that's I all mean, I, oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say also with Junko, um, it's nice that we're seeing more and more through these movies, the female characters having, um, you know, bigger roles. So, like, if you compare this with Mothra, the main yes. female character that in that was awesome, but 
she really took more of a a big backseat to the two male characters. And in this one, like I said, she's kind of like in every scene with the, both of the male characters. Um, and she ends still... up being the one who, when they're going to give up, convinces the indigenous population to like hear them out. Like, yeah, she's, she is in the role of being a sidekick as the photographer to the mm-hmm. reporter. She's not the main person, but she constantly subverts that role, constantly pushes. Yeah. Um, so it's great that, yeah, we're seeing, um, yeah, I mean, we're seeing that. That's great. That, uh, female with a bigger, stronger role. Um, and of course, Mothra herself is a female with the biggest <laughs> well, and strongest role. That's what I was about to say is like, I think in, we, we talked about this in the Mothra episode, but how I was like, oh, don't worry. At least in Mothra, there's a strong female character. And I don't remember if I was talking about Mothra or if I was mistaking it for this person. This is who I was thinking of, I think, when I said that. Um, I <laughs> yeah, when you... First... Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, when you said that, it didn't occur to me that you meant Mothra. And then later, and I was like, oh, okay. And then later when I was thinking about it, I was like, I'm the stupidest fucking person. He obviously and... meant Mothra. <laughs> and we said all this in the Mothra episode about oh. this mistake, but I... Still don't know if I was joking and saying Martha <laughs> or her, but um, uh, speaking of report, or do you have anything else about the three of them? Or are you good to move on? Um, let me look at my notes real quick. I guess one thing while you're looking, um, I just, I mean, I, I feel like a broken record bringing this up, but I just love how these movies just make a strong, hard dichotomy between good and bad guys, and in this one, it's the good guys, the good people care about and believe the Shobajin and Mothra and the indigenous people and the bad people are the ones who don't. And it's just a clear divide. None Mm -hmm. of the main three characters are ever like, fuck these fairies and then comes around to it later. Or like, who cares about the natives? They're just the kind of people who would care. Yeah, for sure. That's a good point. I would, I just want to put out there. I would believe the Shobajin. Yeah, that's true. Cause you're not a capitalist. I am not. I own no capital. Yeah, totally. Wait, does owing capital make you a capitalist? I think in... Now, I've never really read much Marx, but I believe in in strict Marxist definitions, uh, capitalist is one who owns uh, um, capital, or one that owns... I was just trying to make a joke, because I own money. Oh. I don't think I even listened to what you said. (laughs) But yes, I... uh, Marx's definition of a capitalist isn't someone who believes in capital. It's someone who actually owns capital, the means of production. Yeah, for sure. Um, I agree with you. We're going to change our name to uh, All Smart People Podcast. Because we're smart, (sighs) as evidenced by what we just said. Yeah, we can can, uh, parrot things that we've read, so we're geniuses. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, that's what it takes, baby. Oh yeah. Did you find what you were looking for? Uh, yeah, I wasn't looking for anything. I was just looking over my notes to see if there's anything. Uh, oh, else sorry. I wanted to bring up and nope about those well, characters. And I, yeah, we can move on. Speaking of the uh, the reporters and the generally good guys, uh, Jiro Nanamura, the reporter, has a. Is that the funny... Eggman? Yeah. Okay. Really funny role. <laughs> what a weird gag. 
I, I know. I loved it, though. <laughs> it's funny that he, he just constantly has eggs. He's focusing on the <laughs> eggs in a movie about a giant egg. And, like, so we're noticing egg guy with the eggs. Mm-hmm. Egg man, eggs. Like, he has hard-boiled eggs. He's eating eggs. He's offering people eggs, and they're saying no. And then he's <laughs> the one that has the plan yeah. ha- of how to save the egg. <laughs> he's also, like, you saying they're eating an egg... And he's like, here's my plan to save the egg. And then his boss is like, why aren't you go watching the egg? Go watch the egg. <laughs> he's like, oh, God, I guess I'll go watch the egg. <laughs> it's a legitimately ridiculous gag. And it it's the perfect amount of times. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's too much, but the perfect amount of too much. It's wonderful. I, I love that. Um, yeah, Eggman. He's... he's uh, the second best character in the movie. <laughs> I'm assuming the first is the Mothra Larva number two. <laughs> you got it. Um, cool. Let's move on to some less good characters. So do you think we should just talk about Kumayama and Jiro Torahata together? Yeah, we might as well. So Kumayama, the entrepreneur... And then his boss, just the even richer dude, son of a rich man, uh, slimy boss man, uh, Torahata. Ooh, these are good villains. Yeah. Uh, I don't like him. Although I dislike Nelson and Mothra more. Yeah, and it's, uh. it feels like Nelson is just evil. Whereas these guys, I'm like, I get why you're bad. It's all perfectly clear. Capitalism incentivizes it, and you're yeah. following that exactly. And it just all makes sense without having to have some weird, they were uh, wronged by someone in their past, or the, like. there's no need for that. It just fits. It's just got to get that money, do anything for that money, step yeah. over anybody, do anything to anyone for that money. Even not for the money. Like, even... Like... Even for the money, even to just stop other people from getting money. Mm-hmm. I just think it's it's so interesting how, and we'll get into this more with the themes, but they're almost in def- like I can't really differentiate them besides how they look, mm-hmm. other than the fact that one is above the other, and so he can exploit the other one. Torahada can exploit Kumayama more, but if Kumayama was in Torahada's position, he would do the same thing. It feels like. Right. Yeah, so Kumiyama's first introduced to us, and we we see him as the initial villain, because he's the head of this company or whatever that's taking over. Then we find that find out that he's being funded by uh, Torahada, and Torahada, I guess, comes from a rich family. Um, so he's, that's put him, that's made him a rich person with tons of business ties. And yeah, there really isn't in many ways, they are the same character. Uh, just slimy fucks, and uh, Torahada happens to be the one that's funding Kumiyama, so therefore he has the power, and he calls the shots. Um, yeah, Torahada's just what Kumiyama would become if he had more access mm-hmm. to wealth. Yeah. Totally. I'm very glad that uh, they fought in um, a very bloody, violent fight. <laughs> that made me happy. Uh, yeah. you know that meme where it's like uh, two girls fighting and there's a guy in the background like uh, smoking a pipe lighting up a, pi- a pipe yeah. yeah that's that's what I felt like <laughs> that was you 
I'm gonna I'll I'll tweet that from our account. That's great. <laughs> um Yeah, I just I love that like they're getting off on exploiting everybody, but then as soon as Kumayama gets a taste of his own medicine. He's like, I hate working with people like you. I despise working with people like you. And it's like, mm-hmm. dude, it's, you despise working with yourself. Yeah. And then they're literally fighting over money while, I mean, like, first of all, Torahara won't give Kumayama any more money, even though we know he has a fucking filing cabinet full mm-hmm. of money. And he's literally sitting in a silk robe having someone serve him when he's like, I'm not giving you any more money. Like, yeah, well, not not only that, he's like, I'm not giving you any more money. Uh, why don't you put the egg up for collateral? Yeah. Like, just really just turning the screws on him. <laughs> yes. And, like, they both say that they exploited the villagers, but it's, like, the villagers' own fault. It was their decision. And then, mm. or that's their mentality, at least. And then Torahata uses that on Kumiyama. He's like, well, you made all the decisions that got you here. And it's like, well, no, he, Kumiyama did everything he could because you were the one who was going to finance it. Um, so he mm-hmm. tries to use his own PR tactics on his, on the guy. It just, it just shows how fucking individualistic and evil they are. And then, yeah, when they're fighting over the money, Godzilla's coming. Torahata yeah. knows he can't carry all the money. So he looks out the window, sees Godzilla coming, and then he scrambles for his fucking gun so he can shoot uh, Kumiyama in the head and just get the money and run. Even though he couldn't even get half the money in his arms. Yeah. So he knows he's going to risk his ability to get his small portion of the money just to stop Kumiyama from getting the rest that he won't be able to get. It's crazy. It's yeah, a perfect uh, metaphor. Unfortunately for Torahata... Godzilla is an anarchist, so fuck your money, fuck your property, and fuck your capitalism. Godzilla's gonna stomp that ass. And I can't remember, is that how Torahata dies? Yeah, he starts running through the building, and then Godzilla just fucking smashes the building. Oh. He's like, I felt like you were gonna make me stumble into you, so I, <laughs> I had did a preemptive strike. That's what I'm saying when, like, this movie thematically, it just nails it. Like, everything mm-hmm. is so... What a good ending for both. They both die. Nobody gets the money. Yeah. Um, hell yeah. Like, I don't think we see any specific death, but we see, like, the building collapse on him when or collapse when he's in it. So we're pretty sure we're yeah. to assume that he's fucking dead. So yeah. both bootlickers get Godzilla's boot. Hell yeah. Godzilla fucking hates private property <laughs> yes dude yes if there's one thing the show era shows us uh shows us it's that hey um, personal property he's okay with that oof but private libertarian property, huh no, no, no. um <laughs> uh okay let's move on to the shobajin uh they nailed it they fucking uh, those peanuts they're better than real peanuts, and real peanuts are pretty good. <laughs> I would yeah. I would not throw these shells on the ground in a restaurant where they weirdly just encourage you to throw shells on the ground. Oh, man, I haven't seen one of those since I was a kid. So weird. They do that in a fat burger, I think. Interesting. No, not fa- not fat burger. Um, five brothers. Five guys? Five huh. guys. I, I remember when I was a kid going to a restaurant like that and the whole ground was literally covered with them. But I've never seen yeah. that at Five Guys. 
I know they give you peanuts, but I don't remember them saying throw it on the ground, at least the ones I've been to. Weird. I've I've never been to Five Guys. Or I, mm. I picked up some food there once. Uh, okay. So I don't know. But what? It's overpriced. Okay. Yeah, well, you you fucking come from the land of in and out I'm sorry. <sighs> so jealous. If it makes you but, feel uh, better because of my diet, I can only eat it with uh, lettuce instead of a bun. That makes me feel a lot better. Thank you. <laughs> Wait, okay, so we're talking about Shobajin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, these are two peanuts. I don't think I'd even eat them. I think I would just get them framed because these are the best peanuts I've ever seen. Um, I, I never thought of the fact that Mothra's cocoon in, in the movie Mothra looks like a peanut, and they're the peanuts. That's pretty much all I ever think about. I'm so- that's fucking weird, dude. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, I mean, they nailed it. They're fantastic. They're the, they're the greatest. They're so awesome. Um, I want my own Chauvijin just, <laughs> just to, like, vibe with. You like, learn nothing from these movies. <laughs> I would offer money to buy these two fairies is <laughs> all I'm saying. Fuck capitalism. Uh, I'm an anarchist, but I would buy these fairies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're great as always. Their their voice, their talking together is just smooth, smooth as peanut butter. Um, I and I, I like not made how, from these peanuts. No, of course not. Made from cocoons of Mothras. Um, I like how they. Cocoon. Yeah, I mean, just. Again, it's just so great how they... I mean, even though they kind of have the moment uh, where they're like, actually, we don't trust humans either, they still are like always like, we're sorry, Mothra's going to come and it's going to be bad for you. Like, they care about humans, even though they're Mm -hmm. the ones being exploited by humans. And I'm not saying people who are exploited should care about their exploiters. I'm saying that, like, for this kind of movie where it's themes of hope and the idea that humanity can get better, they, they do it really great yeah uh one thing i was disappointed about with them isn't really their fault the so i think there's two unique songs in this Mm. but i I enjoyed both the songs but they just seemed kind of they weren't as much of a showpiece as like the songs in mothra or um or i think the song in the next movie, I think maybe like it, I'm used to it more as the songs being just like a like a big showpiece, and these yeah. kind of felt you're right they were shorter and there wasn't like much going on. I don't really even but remember the songs. There was first there was like a short little ballad type of thing, um. And then later there was one with where I think like I think it was when they were like waiting for a the egg to hatch or whatever. And there there, there was a bit more of a set piece to that because I think we saw like natives like dancing along and stuff, but it still was just really short and abrupt. And both the songs they were they were solid songs, and I, I just wish there was we heard more of it and there was more going on around it, like. That makes like sense. I, in in Mothra is just 
like when they sing the song, it's just like this fucking awesome psychedelic, yeah, like crazy scene. And so I, I was disappointed by that in this one. This one definitely felt safer. It felt less like a fantasy movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it makes kind of sense. You're you got to be part Godzilla movie, part Mothra movie, instead of going all the way in both directions they kind of met in the middle and i do think that's a little bit of a downside of this one like i wish it was Mm -hmm. more psychedelic i wish there was gnarlier godzilla destruction or godzilla was was more godzilla i i hadn't really thought of that but i do feel like it meets a little in the middle and it's a little safe yeah i i can definitely see that um it's you got a movie with a giant fucking egg you should be going all out yeah um, yeah. But yeah, they were great. The effects looked pretty good, uh, like they did in, in Mothra. Nothing really of note. Their costumes were interesting, as always. Um, and I like them, but I did feel like it worked better in this one, how they weren't as big of it. Like, they kind of work, mm-hmm. not, a, not a cameo, but as they don't work as much as main characters to me, just because they're so, they're kind of one note. They don't seem to have many needs and desires besides their one stated need and desire the talking and unison thing can get a little old so i thought this was a perfect dose of shobujin i'd say there are two notes <laughs> nice. um yeah i see what you mean um yeah the in uh, mothra the worst they looked was whenever people are like grabbing for them and they're or not even grabbing for them grabbing them and there was none of that in this good but point. Thank God, they too. Leave them alone. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. I I want to get a shirt that's like a... I don't know. Some You can put the joke together. Something about that Leave Britney Alone video, but then it's a Leave the Showvision Alone. You get it. It's funny. Nice. Um, Dude, uh, this is going to be pretty dated when this comes out, but the podcast Popular Front, which is a great podcast has a really awesome free Britney shirt. It says like all authoritarianism is toxic. And then it has a uh, Britney in a fucking ski mask and it says free Britney. It's sick. That's what made me, that's why I said shirt. That's oh, that was the shirt. In my head. Cause I saw that you're, you're retweeting that or something. Oh, okay. Got it. Well, that's the shirt. Now I get it. I was like, Oh, there must be a shirt <laughs> that I haven't seen. Um, <laughs> sick. But, uh, uh, yeah, they're, um, they get put in lots of boxes and they seem to be okay with it. (laughs) Yeah. In this one, it's just no big deal that they're put in the box. For sure. Um, and I I do like that. I like that nobody tries to steal them. Never mind. I was about to complain about Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster, but we'll be there soon. Um... Also impressed by their detective work because, like, the first time we see them, our main characters haven't even discovered uh, uh, Torahada yet. But the first time we see the Shobajin, they're in his hotel room being like, Give us back our egg. Give us back our egg. Good point. I don't know how they did that, but the good work. Very. They're, they're like a couple Columbos. Definitely. I really liked that scene. I love how when their voices first come, Torahara immediately thinks they're industrial spies trying to like get an edge on them as competition. 
And it's just a great way of showing that, like, this dude has all the money he could ever need, presumably, and it doesn't mm-hmm. buy him happiness. It buys him paranoia. You know, yeah. capitalism is, is, like, making his life worse, even though he won in most senses. You know, that's so great. I mean, even on that same kind of point, like, we're told that he's, like, a rich kid who was born to, like, a super rich uh, dad. So it's like, you probably didn't need to do any of this stuff. You yeah. probably could have just, like, vibed out your entire life and just gone off of that but instead you're just this fuck exploiting everybody around you to further yourself totally and getting killed in the process hell yeah hell yeah yeah um just for the record a cab includes anyone who picks up the shobajin without them asking them to god damn it why do you gotta put those restrictions on me (laughs) um Hey, if they let you, they let you. Oh, yeah, that we should mention since, you know, we we just put the poll online to see. I want to move on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just, we, we put a poll on Twitter to see who has a better chance with Mothra. You all, if you listen to the Mothra episodes, know that we both were interested in dating Mothra, if Mothra was interested. And the three options were Rabbit charlie or do not text her and um we tied you know we both got 14 percent. the rest was do not text her which you know understandable i'm glad people are reaching out or like are uh you know just want the best for mothra and clearly we're unhinged drug addicts it's probably not the best <laughs> thing for her you know um i resent that <laughs> Everything that you said in the past one ten minutes, I resent it. I'm sorry. I'll take it out if you want. Unhinged. <laughs> I got hinges all over me, baby. All right. Should we move on to the natives of Infant Island and how they're portrayed? Let's do it. Dude, how big of a sigh of relief did you let out when you saw that they didn't have skin paint on them? I said, oh, man, I need a refund. I was hoping for top-notch racism. No, that's uh, that's fantastic. Um, real development uh, on Honda's part here. Only uh, took that... two years from King Kong versus Godzilla for that shift. Yeah. I, I wonder what caused that shift, too. Like, what made him realize, oh, shit, I don't need to be painting people <laughs> yeah totally i i let out an audible because i couldn't remember i thought it was better but i let it out an audible like oh my god like it's just like oh fucking finally yeah god, i mean, I mean later into the 60s baby people are learning shit you know dropping acid yeah well maybe somebody one of these people maybe honda should have taught justin trudeau something huh Huh? Oh, oh, yeah. The, Canadian right. Prime Minister. Totally. Yeah, they were buds. You should have told them. Um, and also, like, fucking half the politicians ever in the United States. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good point. What do you think in general of how the Infant Island 
like indigenous population was portrayed in this maybe compared to Mothra or King Kong uh, versus Godzilla? I mean, better in almost every conceivable way. Yeah. Right? I mean, I thought so. Because, yeah, I mean, in Mothra, they're they're like fucking zombies. Yeah, it's so weird. Even when they're being, like, shot at, they're all just, like, walking forward with, like, no emotion. Is like, they're dying as their their fellow um, tribesmen are, like, being shot down right next to them. They're still just walking forward with, like, no emotion. Banging (laughs) rocks together. Yeah, that's just how extreme they were, like, um... Yeah. Made to be non-human in that movie. And in this movie... It's, I mean, it's the complete opposite. They have complete agency. They, they have shit that they're pissed about that they're, have a right. They should 100% justified being pissed about. And they're telling the, the, um, mainlanders why they're, why they think fuck you. <laughs> um, totally. It's, and standing up for themselves. Uh, yeah, it's just a complete 180 and, Totally, totally appreciated, and also um, their skin wasn't painted, which is uh... the bar yeah. is tripping hazard. But yes, that is fucking good. Hundred um, percent. I think not only does the film portray them better, you know, they're they're victims and survivors of this desolation with their own agency, who are rightly critical, right? They're critical of the uh, yeah of of humans outside of mm-hmm. their island for doing the tests and we know for a fact that so are the filmmakers so it shows right there they like agree with them and then Mm -hmm. but also the characters themselves like mira before he goes to the island is like i want these natives to consider the matter from their hearts and he shows sympathy with their position and then i think the best part to me is that they the film tries to get us to understand that they're not worse or lower they're just different like Mm -hmm. junko says is looking around at them and says how very strange and ichiro says we must be as peculiar to them um and then mira says they must blame us it can't be helped and like just that showing that we must be as peculiar to them is already like a huge leap forward from anything we've had in a script before as far as natives go and then I thought on that same note, um, you have the ones you they first find that are literally all painted red. So I guess there was paint, but it wasn't like supposed to be their skin, right? They're all head to toe yeah. painted red, like the devils, right? And then they're brought in and they're shown to be very like, I don't want to use the word civil because that's weird etymology, but like they're very even tempered and like communicating, articulate, all this stuff. And they call our characters demons. And it's showing like, look, we see these people as demons because of how they're painted, but they would see us as demons, kind of reinforcing Ichiro's point. I just thought that was awesome. Yeah, and they... I mean, on that same point, they also bring... They talk about how you brought the devil fire or whatever to this island... Exactly. Yeah. Who's the real fucking demons, you know? Yeah. Um, who's yeah. the ones using weird, unnatural shit to fuck people over? 
And I like that the characters have to show trust with them by drinking the, the like, red tea that's in, like, every fucking Toho movie at this point for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Um, the book I have that I, says that um, Junko is too scared and pretends to drink it, I did not think that's what happened. And I was watching for I, it. Yeah, I didn't pick up on that, but I was not watching for it. I fully, like, the other two, you see it, like, spill over their mouths, I think, or at least Ichiro or Mura. And one of them, you see it spill over their mouths. Her, I don't think you do, but I did not. Maybe there's a shot later where it's, like, still in the cup, and that's what he means. But that felt like a stretch. Yeah, I mean, she shows her kind of suspicion. She's like, what are we going to do? Um, yeah. Are we going to drink it? But I didn't pick up on her not drinking at that she was just like well everyone else is drinking and i guess i'm gonna drink it too yeah and when i say they trusted them i don't mean like immediately they're like sure i'll drink whatever i trust these people implicitly like they definitely showed hesitation but they were like well if we're asking for their trust we have to at least drink this thing that we see them drinking too and that they offered us yeah also just the fact that like when the egg is hatching they're clearly knowledgeable and in touch with it. Like they're dancing, the rhythm is going with the like the the flashing of the egg and they like it's like they know and they're part of this birth. And like that isn't new for these movies. Like in Varan, they mm-hmm. were the ones who were right about Baradagi and our main characters weren't. But at least in this one, that wasn't like like the context of this one makes that feel better. Whereas in Varan it was just like fucking idiots. And then never does <laughs> <Yeah>. again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, by the way, the whole line was about the devil's fire was, um, who ignited the devil's fire here? The fire forbidden by the gods. Ever since that day, this island has been a place of suffering. Damn. Um, it's just a pretty heavy line. Definitely. He The, the Honda's, um, his interest in a anti-nuclear uh i don't know activism messaging or whatever it, it's not really throughout this movie but this whole section on the island like it's laid very heavily and it kind of is i don't do we really ever see it like laid ever since the first movie like i don't think that it's been like this upfront and heavy as it is right here where it's just very much look how your nuclear testing completely just fucking made this island into just a, a vision of hell and how you fucked over these people that live here and that they're just completely suffering from it and then there's that there's a line when they first come where they're like they're talking about how the nuclear testing has fucked up this island and Mura says something like yeah, for us, it's like we're used to just signing a petition against nuclear weapons, but uh, this is like the whole reality of it. It kind of like showing that we like give it like half a thought if something's put in front of us. We're just like, oh yeah, nuclear testing's bad, but they weren't actively doing anything putting any kind of effort or even thought to it other than just signing a petition. And this is the realities of what is actually happening. Um, totally. 
And which, Ichiro has that line of like, I think if people saw that this is what was happening, they would want to do something about it when he gets to the island, which is a mm-hmm. very weird line. It, 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 it contradicts other things he thinks about humanity, but I think maybe it's just showing it's so bad that even me, this guy who said, I don't think sharing the story of what's happening in the newspapers will help because people only care about themselves. Then he's like, Oh my God, this is yeah. so bad. I think it would actually change people's <laughs> minds. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, that's, I, I agree with you. I, I'm trying to go through the list of Toho ones we've covered so far. I might be missing one, but I can't think of any that lay on. I mean, this is nothing compared to Godzilla, but that lay on the H bomb stuff, this like throughout the movie like this. I think this is definitely the second strongest in that regard yeah anything else about the natives before we move on i mean all these movies i think honda just really has a touch for uh the kind of um tribal uh uh, dance music sequences and as i pointed out before it wasn't kind of as much in this as some of the other ones but it still looks fantastic whenever they do their i don't don't know what you want to call it ritual or whatever Um, yeah it just and all the costumes it just it all just looks great um, yeah the costumes are sick in this one um Mm -hmm. i really like the the feather head thing and stuff i don't know if it's based on anything or cultural appropriation or super offensive i have no idea but it looks really cool um yeah totally so as far as filmmaking i didn't really have any notes um nothing about the music super stood out to me or was bad other than favorite shot i didn't really have anything to say but i was curious if you did not really i mean i already brought up that stuff about the specific songs sung by the peanuts but that's pretty much it yeah it was pretty standard honda fair and done well it was one of those movies where i didn't notice the filmmaking in a good way you know yeah did you have a favorite shot? Yeah, I think my favorite shot was just uh, Mothra dying with her wing over the egg. Um, just my, my two favorite things in the movie, the egg and Mothra. Mothra showing, even to her dying breath, her love for her children. Hell yeah. And yeah, I thought it was a pretty beautiful shot. That was actually my runner-up. I couldn't decide between that and one other. Um But I went with, I already mentioned it, the shot of Godzilla through the window when you see, uh, whatever his name is, Torahata, I think, um, scrambling to kill him, even though, like, it was, it wasn't that the shot was particularly beautiful, it was just the way that it was framed told you so much in one shot. For sure. Way to go, Honda. Hell yeah, Honda. Um, you're reliable, like a Civic. All right, dude. Let's get into the meaning and messages and politics of this movie. We've covered a bunch of it already. Um, one thing I want to say right off the bat is that this movie touches on a lot of stuff. Like, it has a lot of themes that we're probably not even going to go that into. We've mentioned some already, but um, just like Mushroom Clouds and Mushroom Men, Peter H. Brothers mentions, he says, this movie has... Elements of political posturing, the power of the press, divine intervention, unrestrained development, miracle births, military inefficiency, nuclear testing, commercial exploitation of a natural wonder, 
motivated by a then-current construction boom of American-inspired amusement parks in Japan, corporate greed, and of course, government bureaucracy. I guess we have touched on a lot of those, but like nuclear testing, I don't feel like we need to dive even farther into. It's just interesting that this mm. movie that seems so simple touches on a ton of it's... things. Yeah. Way to go, Honda. Good job, Honda. You're reliable, like a Civic. <laughs> um, although this is a Toyota-sponsored podcast, as we've said. <laughs> I, they can't hear your fist in the air, Charlie. Um, <laughs> they felt it, though. Well, let's start with a really obvious one. Uh, profit and greed, and we would say profit and greed as driving forces of capitalism, but that's not explicitly stated, although it is, I guess, implicit. I feel like it is. I feel like it's implicit. Yeah, totally. Because, yeah. I mean, it's like the thing where people will be like, capitalism isn't the problem, it's crony capitalism. And it's mm -hmm. like, so you're saying that people acting the way that capitalism incentivizes is the problem, not capitalism. It's Yeah. You can't really divide or take profit and greed away from capitalism, you know? Yeah, that's the whole point. <laughs> yeah, and it's not like these people are greedy for something that's outside of the system of, like, exchange and exploitation. They're greedy for money, and they're exploiting people with their capital mm -hmm. to try to get more capital, <laughs> like... Um, even if maybe the filmmakers themselves weren't, didn't, that wasn't their motivation was critiquing that. That doesn't mean it's not there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, we've already mentioned, it's just great to see, uh, the capitalists turning on each other, but just, I really love how surprised Kumiyama is that, uh, he really just seems to not expect it at all for, uh, whatever the other guy's name is to kind of all of a sudden start turning the screws on him. And yeah. he's just like, Whoa, surprise. What the, f what, <laughs> well, how could you do this? <laughs> like right after he was talking to the villagers, he's like, yeah, yeah, you'll get your money. And he specifically says to the villagers, don't be so greedy when yeah. they're like coming to him and like, you haven't paid us all the money for the egg and you haven't paid rent on the land that the eggs on. Yeah. And he says, just don't be so greedy. You'll get your money eventually. She's like, you, you're like one of the two greediest fucks in this yeah. goddamn movie. Yeah, it's like he, they think, oh, because I'm part of this other class, these things don't apply mm -hmm. to They don't happen to me. I'm a, I'm above being exploited like that. And then he gets a taste of his own medicine. Yeah. So I guess there's a few ways that they show profit and greed being bad. Um, one of them is obviously like capitalists just exploiting nature. You got the egg, you got the beach that they're doing the revitalization project on. And mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, even the villagers immediately think about how the egg will benefit them and who owns the egg. Yeah. But I mean, with the villagers, I mean, I think specifically they were like fishermen and they're like, yeah, they specifically bring up that the fish there haven't been much fish lately. Totally. So you do kind of get a sense that, like, they need to figure out a way to survive. Um, that's... Which is why it feels like it's actually a critique of the systems, not the people. Yes. Yes. Totally. totally. Yeah, I don't think we're supposed to be like, oh, those villagers are evil inside. It's just like, oh, look mm -hmm. at this fucked up thing that's benefiting this fucking dude with a filing cabinet full of cash. <laughs> yeah. Which, by the way, we never find out what that 
money in the filing cabinet is for. He just has it. <laughs> it's just and when the case. other guy is like, the other guy brings up like, what about all that money in the in the filing cabinet? He's like, that's for something else. But it's yeah. never brought up. He just <laughs> has all this money there. I just assumed it was just for him to have. Like, but you're right. They make it seem like, yeah, like it's different. <laughs> um, when Ichiro says, like, basically brings up how this wonder of nature shouldn't be just owned by some industrialist, Kumayama's like, oh, I'll display it for the public, like, as if he's doing some yeah. good deed, which is such a fucking common thing <laughs> nowadays. Yeah, they the they bring up like the egg is not private property. He's like, well, we'll let the public come in and watch it uh, incubate and hatch uh, for a fee, of course. <laughs> and he's like, we're this is real social value. We're giving the people what they want by letting them come see it and pay to come see it. Like, yeah, these people who, by the way, we just showed don't have money, don't have fish to eat. Like yes, <laughs> uh, um. One of the lines that I think just shows how much they don't care about our main characters are trying to appeal to their humanity by being like the Shobajin, like Mothra, we, we, these are real living things, whatever. And it just shows like how when you're, when you're corrupted like this, you don't even, those things can't appeal to you because you only think in terms of profit and stuff. Like, uh, Torahada says, do you have Mothra's power of attorney? Like, ah, and it's like, oh, you don't care at all unless it's like a loophole or unless it's a thing that hurts you well yeah i mean right as the shobajin are revealed torahada pulls kumiyama aside and whispers something to them and then kumiyama just turns around and he goes how much for the for the little fairies and he yeah. just uh, starts throwing out money like of totally. figures he's like two hundred thousand two million <laughs> five million <laughs> right it's just like immediately that's just not even like considering anything that they said it's just oh obviously these people are part of the same system obviously i can buy them off and buy totally. these two <laughs> yeah which also i don't know if i'd say neat but it is it's an interesting callback to uh yes. mothra yeah that's what i was yeah that nelson's yeah. motive too was like oh shit i don't think i'll get in trouble for uh enslaving these <laughs> fairies and making them perform because there's no law about it yet or anything so how yeah. much money can i make immediately um, technically they're not humans so yeah exactly I can do whatever the fuck i want <laughs> oh that reminds me of a thing i meant to bring up when we were talking about the natives but there was a weird thing and maybe it's just our translation but the people on the island kept sorry this is unrelated but it just reminded me uh the <laughs> natives are saying like on this island we don't trust humans but and they constantly repeatedly say like, "Oh, humans do this. We don't trust humans." It's like you all are humans. That was the one thing where I was like, "Is that a translation thing, or do huh. they really fuck up?" I don't remember that. That's 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 weird though. That's that's funny. Yeah, definitely. Maybe they're not actually humans. I don't think that's what's happening. Um, okay. <laughs> so another, besides the obvious exploitation, I feel like. The, another way that we see that the that like the film is showing us that these bad guys are bad is that they're constantly lying and deceiving you know mm -hmm. um we have i don't think he has a name but that industry man like the who does the uh who's doing the beach revitalization project do you know what i'm talking about 
Yeah, um, he's he's not an interesting man. He's a politician. He's an assemblyman. Oh, okay. Well, he's constantly telling the reporters not to do their job, telling the scientists not to do their job. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Apparently, they gave up the area a, a bad write-up before instead of it's like finished or whatever. He's like, this isn't finished. It's not finished. Yeah. And then they come and they're doing radiation tests. He's like, no radiation tests. No radiation tests. Don't You've already test had tests. Radiation? I know. Like, well, my, yeah, my response is like, Man, they're giving you free radiation tests. Like <laughs> you're you're supposed to be working for the people. You should probably just fucking take it. Like, yeah, totally. But, but I mean, he, obviously his his whole goal was just to get the project done no matter what, so then that it can generate money and then he yeah. can be you know, I guess assumably presumably reelected or whatever and get get the clout for for the project being a success. So he he doesn't actually care if it's has any detrimental effects as long as those detrimental effects won't affect him. hundred percent. Yeah. He's, and, 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 he's not even thinking about whether there's really radiation. His brain doesn't even go there. Just like yeah. the, uh, the two main bad guys aren't even thinking about what this might be like for Mothra or for the Shobajin. They're mm-hmm. just thinking, how can I get ahead? How can I prevent bad things mm-hmm. from happening to me? We, we basically pointed out all the times that they lie and deceive already, but one that I think is just interesting is that all these things that have nice sounding names are terrible. Like the Happy Show Center or Happy Show Business Agency or the uh, Karata Beach Industrial Revitalization Zone. And like one of them is basically a dump <laughs> that might be radioactive and one of them's like this evil profit driven place that's keeping Mothra in a cage. <laughs> like, yeah, it's very uh, on the nose, but it worked. It, it did work. And Junko calls Torhada a liar, which I thought was great. She's badass, dude. She's probably the best one. Yeah, she's pretty sweet. Um, You mentioned before uh, how the military doesn't have any good plans. <laughs> like, they already tried electrocuting them. Um, And I think that kind of ties into this overall theme of... With this thing we see all the time in Honda movies, but... uh critiquing the government for like being ineffective yeah the, the... shin godzilla style <laughs> yeah totally yeah i guess that that is from like a long line of this and that one just dives into that hard but um i like yeah. how there's two different times like mira criticizes how long it'll take the government to make things right with the egg because the capitalists shouldn't have it so that's why they're like oh we have to do this ourselves and then uh they also I mean, I think that just kind of happens twice, because then when they try to come up with a plan to use Mothra, that's because they're like, the government is not going to, the government's not going to do shit, and so they have to come up with the Mothra defender plan. So you have all these fucking tanks and all this shit, and then you have like a few reporters on the side figuring out how to solve the problem. Yeah. Um, well, Mira specifically brings up, he says, it's like the song says... Right away means six months, timely means two years, and after deliberation means five or six. That's how long it takes for the government to do anything. Yeah, that's that's the line he specifically says. It's, but sorry. yeah, and we're talking we're talking specifically in this case about an egg which will hatch. Yeah. So like, it needs to be dealt with immediately. Um, but it really drives home like the ineffectiveness of bureaucracy and, you know, people like people often defend it being like, you know, 
slowness of bureaucracy is actually a feature because you don't want you don't want emotion to be too much of a driving force in terms of decisions which i mean there is a point to that in some cases but in lots of cases it's like there's real suffering and harm going on and slowness is just going to exasperate that like yeah it doesn't work great during fucking covid for instance yes (laughs) also like it's interesting thinking about it how often that's a theme of giant monster movies like troll hunter that's a Mm -hmm. giant theme and i mean i guess it makes sense because you have this disaster that's unprecedented and bureaucracy has no idea how to deal with unprecedented urgent things at all and so of course it would come up yeah but it's interesting how often it does you know yeah you know the government does not look good in this man they do nothing good <laughs> like the, the cops leave our main characters behind like after yeah. attack. <laughs> they were able to do that fast <laughs> that decision They're came like... quick oh shit looks like monster lost we're getting out of here yeah totally (laughs) yeah they do not look good it's not extremely explicit but if you look for it it's everywhere Mm -hmm. um the bureaucracy is explicit but like the general i mean all godzilla movies the military sucks at 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 doing anything um it's funny when uh ichiro is talking to his boss uh and his boss is like, we need to come up with a plan to stop Godzilla. And Ichiro says, like, well, why do we come up with a plan? Isn't that the government's job? And then his boss is like, no, we have, like, a moral duty or whatever. But oh. it's like his boss realizes, like, the government is fucking stupid as yeah, hell. <laughs> totally. It's like, are, you mean the government that we report on all the time? You remember what we have to say about them? <laughs> like, Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I think critiquing greed, critiquing bureaucracy are pretty common for these movies, but I feel like the thing that really differentiates this movie, especially from like the themes of Godzilla, um, is this, and it, this comes along with Mothra, is this hope and that things will be better and specifically that humans, even though they've done horrible things, can learn and can improve, um, We've mentioned a bunch of times that, like, the people in this movie, like, the villagers, the capitalists, like, most people, the people bombing fucking, uh, Infant Island are seen as, like, shitty and have done a bunch of bad things and that the Shobajin and Ma- and the uh, natives are like, we don't trust these people. Um, and Ichiro has those kind of views, but that Mothra is, like... I mean, Mothra goes back to save the egg. That's really her main reason. But also you get the sense that she gives a shit. And then when the larvae mm-hmm. are born, they don't have an egg to save. They're there, but they go immediately to save the kids, you know. They're avenging their mommy. <laughs> That's true. I definitely took it more as even <laughs> though humanity's fucked up, we care. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I mean, when they're trying to get Mothra to go fight Godzilla you know they're the three of them are trying to appeal the natives and they they bring up you know that's that heartfelt speech with both junko and and uh ichiro where you know she brings up how you know people don't deserve to die even bad people don't deserve to die bad deaths and he 
brings up we need to like build a better world or whatever and he specifically even after says, that sorry he specifically says doubt in humans is universal we must have faith mm-hmm. in the idea that we have the power to learn yeah even after that both uh shobajin and natives are like nah you can still go fuck yourself but then <laughs> mothra mothra's in the background and she's like uh, maybe and that's yeah. what it's really implied that that kind of like speech and uh, is what uh, drove her to go fight Godzilla. Which is interesting because doesn't she want to protect her egg anyway? Yeah, I know. It's kind of it's kind it really of weak. seems. But I, I agree with you. I think that's what they're trying to say. Yeah, the filmmaking Honda really seemed to be implying that's what uh, spurred Mothra on to go fight Godzilla. Definitely. And in true Honda fashion, he reinforces it with the final lines. His, I love that he does this. It's just so, it's just so consistent. Um, but somebody says, oh, we didn't get to thank them, the larva. And Ichiro says, no, their thanks comes from knowing they made society better. They won't doubt mankind in the future or something to that effect. And <laughs> it's, it's a little condescending to Mothra, but I think the idea is that like mankind isn't the problem itself it's like the decisions we've made and the systems like the systems are being critiqued here not the people as we said yes so it all kind of ties together maybe even more for us than it did for them but that like it's yeah it's the systems the people have to grow beyond and get better than these systems and it's it's just so much more hopeful than godzilla yes it's very optimistic uh outcome overall and even the way Mothra's represented in this is is hope. Like, good things come from bad things. Mothra's death means new life. Mm-hmm. It means two new Mothras. Yeah, totally. Even though in the future, we only see one. Well, yeah, I think in the next movie, they're like, one of them died. Oh, uh, do this. <laughs> I think they'd say one of them larva died, and that's it. <laughs> um, I want to point out that this whole theme that we're talking about now was not in the original script. Honda added it during production, according oh, to shit. David Collette. That's huge, because that's... Uh, also, with the capitalism, um, the original script did not have greedy capitalist villains. He added that during production. Fuck yeah, Honda, dude. Comrade Honda. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By the way, the insects out loud are so, outside are so loud that's going to be picked up by the mic, and it's going to be funny. Um, Tell him to shut up. We're recording here. Sweet. Well, I feel good about themes and stuff. Should we just wrap it up? Let's wrap it up. All we right. Did all the cops. How do you? Th- oh, we already did that. Yeah. So, how do you think? Uh, who's rating first? You are. Okay. So we're gonna rate this on the Godzilla thing. It's I, man. The more we go, the more I'm turning into you. I'm having a lot of trouble with ratings. Like, I looked at my document of ratings today, and I was, like, getting angry at myself because it's so hard. Like, I almost wish I could rate, like, monster stuff on one and story on another mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. But um, I'm really torn between A and B because it's super – I'm just going to give it an A. It's such a great movie. The themes are so awesome. I It's hard for me because the reason that I watch Godzilla movies is to have a great movie and story with cool monster action. Otherwise, I'd watch a non-Godzilla movie, you know? So it's always hard for me. Mm -hmm. But, like, 
it's just so solid. It's such an important and great piece of the like the of kaiju history, Toho history, and it's one of my favorite show era films. So I definitely got to give it an A for sure. Uh, a for all right. Yeah. How about okay, you? I like it. You could have really cut it short by just saying that. How about you? Um, I am going to rate it one singular point. I am. Oh, I actually had a all right. <laughs> I'm going to rate it a. I'm going to rate it a for awesome fights. <laughs> nice. Uh, a for all right. Love that. Can always use more Mothra in my life. That's what I wrote. Cool. Well, any other concluding thoughts before we go? I mean, is this... You said this is one of your favorite Godzilla movies. Is this, is this your favorite Godzilla movie we watched so far? Of the actual Godzilla movies, which this would be the fourth one, yes. But I think I prefer Mothra to this. I think I prefer Mothra too, even though to me this is a tighter, better film. I think there's elements of Mothra that I just love, including the fucking destruction scenes are just so great. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, um, it seems like we're pretty we're pretty close to each other on that. Yeah, I think what pushes Mothra over for me is like I've said before, like there's just more of a psychedelic element to to it to some of those scenes and like the music parts and. Um, that's, I was kind of hoping for more of that in this. Totally. I don't feel like it delivered as much. That makes sense. Cool. Anything else before I go? Um, no, you're looking good. (laughs) You too, Charlie. You too. All right. Thanks for listening, y'all. You can follow us on Twitter at NoGodsPod. You can email us, NoGodsPod at gmail.com. I should probably check that sometime. And if you're a fan and would like to support the show so we can keep bringing you more content, you can do so by volunteering to be a patient escort at an abortion clinic to shield people from the anti-choice hate groups that terrorize them. Fuck those people.